pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to come to you. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to move amongst us. Help us each one to get ourselves out of the way that your Spirit would flow through us, Lord. We just want to be vessels that you can use, that we surrender to you, Lord. That you would move through in a mighty way, Lord, to bring healing, bring comfort, bring uh, teaching, bring correction, Lord. Whatever you have need of, Lord, we want to just say, we are your servants. We belong to you. You take us, Lord. Use us as you see fit, Lord. Not according to our own thinking, not according to our own ways, Lord, but according to your ways. We commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord bless you. Let you have your seats for a moment before we read our scripture. I want to just bring greetings from my home church in Beaufort, South Carolina, uh, Bethel Tabernacle there, and from my pastor, Brother Jason Watkins, and also from Brother Matthew Watkins. They wanted to make sure that I sent them, sent you their love and, and greetings. So we've been, I've been there for about a year and a half after moving from Minnesota, and it's been, it's been a challenge to be moving away from our family, but it's been a great blessing for me and for my family. So um, glad to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Brother Tim, and good to see my, my good buddies back here. God bless you. And uh, Brother Joe preached for us, I think, back in July, um, and we had uh, just a dynamite service. And then Brother Timothy, I can't remember what month he preached for us, but um, he, had a, he, had, he preached for us, and it was just a tremendous blessing. So the ministry coming from here is a blessing to me. So thankful for each one of them. So thankful for Brother Tim's ministry and, and friendship, a real friend. So we thank the Lord for that. The missionary work is continuing on as best we can in the midst of COVID. Um, I'm working with ministers in both Turkey and Egypt now. Um, it's the last time I was able to travel to both of those countries was in February uh, of this last year, late January, early February. And we had some meetings there with both of them. And uh, they're, they're growing, especially Egypt. It's a just a brand new work and young believers and coming out of the Assemblies of God Church there. Um, their pastor, Brother Megali, is doing a wonderful job growing in the message. But, um, well, I haven't been able to travel for quite a while, so it's been a little difficult. But in, um, in, in March, seeing that there was likely to be a delay to my next trips, I started doing a a daily uh, teaching video, and in, in starting, it was mostly just laying foundational things, speaking about church order, uh, speaking about um, the seven seals, speaking about election, predestination, these different things, uh, in order to have subtitles added to it in both Arabic and uh, now in Farsi. And so that's been good. And while that was going on, they, they couldn't have meetings. So in Egypt, they were using that as their main um, source of feeding the people while they couldn't meet. And, and uh, uh, now they're in Egypt, they're back meeting again. But in Turkey, the, um, the dictator there has used COVID as an opportunity to really 
um, clamped down on, on refugees and on meetings. Um, the believers there, Iranian re refugees in Turkey, are meeting on Zoom. It's a complete shutdown every weekend. So people work throughout the week, and then when they have time off on Saturday and Sunday, they can't leave their house. So um, they've been doing Zoom meetings since probably um, April or so. And uh, I tried to go back in, in early November, and the restrictions are such that they won't even let uh, refugees travel from city to city. They've got to get permission, and none of the brothers could get permission during that time. And uh, the, the translator that I work with there, he had his re refugee case completely canceled, and they were saying they were going to deport him back to Iran. He, had a, he has a six-year prison sentence waiting for him if he goes back to Iran. Not only that, but all the activity and, and the missions work that he and I have done together that would, would cause even further alarm and, and, and uh, further time in prison. He's got a, that's Brother Omid I'm talking about, and he has a, uh, he's a young, has a young family, a little two-year-old daughter. And so just a very difficult circumstance they're facing even now, so pray for them. God has kept them and preserved them, and they haven't been arrested and deported yet, so we just thank the Lord for that. Um, things may change for them with a new president in place that doesn't have a refugee ban for Iranians. So, um, you know, that portion may, only that portion may help those believers over there. But uh, just pray for them. We're, at the same time, we're working with translators to get more of the message available in both Arabic and the Farsi language. Um, the Church Ages books have been printed in both of those languages, Supernatural series, and a number of quite a few other messages have been translated, and we're, we're working on getting all those that are translated um, into audio format as well. So the work is ongoing. Continue to pray. We, we appreciate that. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at it uh, come springtime to reassess uh, when my next trip will be. So pray for wisdom for me for that as well. Amen. So I want to speak on the subject, pressing on to perfect love. And our text today, and, and we'll stand in honor of the Word of God, is Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Amen. May the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his word. Be seated. I had a, I had a couple testimonies come upon my heart um, this afternoon that I just want to share. Um, they, they come from some time ago, but um, I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's a supernatural God doing a supernatural work amongst his bride. And, oh, it was, it was about 13 years ago. Uh, we, my wife and I... Uh, for six years, weren't able to have any children. 
And um, we were trying and, and, and praying and, and just discussing uh, between us. We were on our way to a special service and uh, just discussing, should we, should we just be content with where we're at and not being able to have children, or should we believe God that we will have children? And I just said, well, I think we should do both. I don't know how, but I think we should do both. And my wife said, I, don't know, I just don't know how to do that. I feel like I have to emotionally get myself, my mindset on one thing. And I said, well, let's just pray about it, what we should do. And we went into the service, and the, the guest minister, didn't, he didn't know us from anyone, came in, and Brother Steve Propolis began to pray. And he said, Lord, I, I don't even know, I don't know why I'm praying this, but someone in here is desiring to have a child, and they haven't been able to. Would you just open their womb? And both of us immediately just felt the Holy Spirit just surge through us. And, and one month later, my wife was pregnant. And that's our daughter, Avery. She's 12 years old now. So we thank the Lord. He's so good to us. And the other one that came in my heart, I, and I, I, I just want to encourage you with this, because God is in you. He's dwelling in you. He's living in you. Your word has supernatural power upon it. When you're surrendered to him and letting him flow through you, you can speak and bring exactly what he says to bring. My, uh, in Minnesota, my mother-in-law and father-in-law uh, were having uh, uh, flooding coming into their basement. There had been many, many storms for that last week, and uh, they'd already had the, the basement fill up, and we were listening to the radio, and another storm was coming directly for us, and this one was supposed to be bigger than the other ones. And uh, I, I was just sitting there, and my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were very distressed at, at that, and my father-in-law just goes, Jason, would you speak to that storm? I don't even know, he just, it just came over him, and he spoke it, and I just went outside, and I looked up and pointed at that storm and I rebuked it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I said, you, you, you dissipate and go the other direction. And, well, I got a call from my mom and dad. They said, did you see that storm that was coming right for us? Because my mom and dad live in basically the same path as my in-laws live as the storm was coming. I said, yeah, I saw that storm that was coming. It's so strange. It was coming directly for us, and then it, it disappeared and went it, from coming from this way and went a completely different direction. So, amen. You can speak to those mountains in your life. The deity of God is in you. He makes you deity by his spirit living in you. The Bible says we're participants of the divine nature. Participants, what is it? Participants of the Godhead. Right. Brother Branham says you're part of God's Godhead. Amen. Right. Amen. The bride is a part of his life. And we can speak. Right. Believe and have faith. Yes. Amen. Brother Branham says this in uh, Sermon Adoption in 1960. He's speaking about uh, the beyond the curtain of time. Um, he says, thus saith the Lord, it'll take perfect love to put you in that place. 
for that's all there was. No matter what money, how much religious demonstrations, how many good deeds you've done, or whatever you've done, that won't count nothing on that day. It'll take perfect love. So whatever you do, you lay aside everything else until you're just so filled with the love of God till you can love those who hate you. Amen. It's going to take perfect love to make it over there. You know, Brother Branham saw that vision and saw the people there, and he, he commented how the sisters in that realm were hugging him, and there was no sin there. And he says it was perfect love, and we need to have that on this side to make it on that side. You know, the world that we live in is through social media, media, etc., is trying to plant hatred in everyone's hearts. There's a spirit of hatred upon the world. You know, the way social media works is they give you what's going to keep you on there. <laughs> they have an algorithm that learns you. And then it, and it takes you step by step by step during the, through the thought process that you already have. <laughs> but it takes you further and further and further and further. And do you know that your liberal friend is having the same experience right. on social media? Right. And do you know that your liberal friend is seeing that and saying, my Christian friend is insane. How is it possible they can believe what they do? And you're saying to your liberal friend, this person's evil. And maybe they are. But that shouldn't, doesn't mean we should have hatred because what it, it doesn't just say they're evil. What you're reading and what you're feeding on on social media begins to tell you to hate those people, to despise those people, to fear and loathe those people. And guess what? Other people are being taught to do the same to you. And that's part of, I, I feel like that algorithm has Satan right on the inside of it. Because it's manipulating. It's bringing, it's a spirit of hatred and destruction upon the world. Stories can be told how governments have been overthrown as a result of social media. Uh, they want to blame other social media and conservatives and so forth for what happened at the Capitol when the fact is all of that stuff was happening on Facebook and Twitter. And it was their algorithms creating, by the spirit of hatred, that attitude Amen. of I want to destroy and kill. Isn't it amazing in the world today that while that is happening, God in his bride is bringing forth a perfect love. Amen. God is bringing us outside so that we have to be careful. Maybe I'm the only one, and you, you all are head and shoulders above, but when I get on Facebook and you start to see different things on there, you start to feel that same thing pulling at you to despise people. It's the wrong spirit. We have to fight that. My wife has watched me. She, she sees me getting and reading different news. She says, be careful. I can see what's happening. The flames are coming out of your ears and the smoke's coming out of your nose. 
Just feed on the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, not only the spirit of hatred, but they're trying to redefine what love is. How could homosexuality be wrong if they love each other? How could... I don't even know, I don't even know how to talk about that transgender, all that nonsense, this one and that one. It's just a spirit of homosexuality and perversion. And they're defining that as true love. And what they mean about love is something that is not even love at all. It's, it's lust. It's, and it's emotion. Love is not emotion. True love produces emotion. But love is not emotion. Love, they say, I fell in love. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone correct me if, if, if I am. I never read the phrase falling in love in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I get it. Okay, it's, I'm not going to extremes on this point. But the point is, we don't fall in love like we're catching a sickness. Love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Love is... Feelings come and feelings go. We don't always, when you've been married for years, you don't always have warm fuzzies for your spouse. Sometimes you have a hot feeling in your chest. And you're a little upset. But we don't give ourselves over to that. We walk, we make the choice that we're committed to serving, caring, and truly loving that person, whether they deserve it or not. Amen. Right? And they should be the, have the same commitment to you, whether you deserve it or not. Amen. Many times we don't. But God says, love anyway. So we can't let culture pervert our understanding of what love is. Amen. Many years ago, I was working at... Uh, U.S. Bank in a suburb of Minneapolis, and one of the tellers at the bank was a homosexual. And uh, he was very open about it, and I mean, not in a flamboyant way, but just he spoke about it. And uh, it was one of those grocery store branches, so you, it's very small, and everybody knows everything about each other because you work in such close quarters. And uh, uh, one Saturday, we were speaking, and, and uh, he was starting to share about his experience. Um, he went to a Catholic church and, and uh, had an exorcism to get the spirit of homosexuality off of him. Then he went to a Pentecostal church and this, did the same thing, and it didn't change his desires, didn't change anything. And so I began to speak to him, and, and I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and you know exactly what I believe about uh, homosexuality, but I want you to understand that there's many other sins. I said, we work in close quarters with uh, other people, and you, we're both aware of the drinking and the carousing and things that the people here are speaking about when they come in on a Monday morning to work. And uh, 
these things are all, according to Scripture, worthy of, of death, uh, of punishment in hell. So I'm not going to single you out uh, any differently. You need Christ just as much as I need Christ. And I, I told him, you know, what you're doing is wrong, but God can deliver you and, and set you free from that. And I think you know, by the way I've treated you with respect, that, that I love you enough to tell you the truth and point you to the right thing. Well, we had another man working there, which was an atheist. And uh, this one was, I was constantly testifying about what God was doing and the power of God and speaking about the message to them. And this atheist began to just despise and, and hate me. So one time when I wasn't working, he started talking behind my back to this homosexual. And he, the homosexual shut him down real quick and he said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of you talking about Jason that way. He is the most, and I, <laughs> from his language, he's the most tolerant person I've ever met. So don't you dare speak like that about him. And I had to laugh because toler I was tolerant. I told him what he was was a sin and that he was going to hell. <laughs> but what was it? There was a motivation that God, by his grace, placed inside of me that he knew that what was being said came from a heart of love. And it wasn't me. It was him. And I believe that's the kind of love that God wants us to have, that we can speak hard things to people and they know that we care, that we love, we love them, and we have a heart to see them free and delivered by the power of God. So again, Brother Branham says, Thus saith the Lord, it'll take perfect love to put you in that place, for that's all there was there. Amen. So in the New Testament, there's four different kinds of love, and we're going to look at some scriptures. Uh, there's family love, storge. There's uh, brotherly or friendship love, which is filio. There's love between a couple, which is eros. And then there's unconditional love or divine love, agape. So again, love does not find its source in emotions. Love for your spouse, love for your brother, love for one another. It doesn't find its place in emotions. We can't base it on how we feel or how worthy we think the person is or is not. Love is based truly on our duty and love to God. Romans 5.5. 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So our love for each other finds its source in this, the love that's shed abroad in our hearts. That word shed abroad means to pour forth or to bestow or to gush out or to run greedily out. In other words, it's like God fills us 
with the Holy Ghost and love, and then that spills out of us onto others. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. And what I want to emphasize there is the Lord make you increase and abound in love. So we have to grow in love. We can't be stagnant in our love for one another. But we need to increase and abound. Grow, grow. Don't be stagnant. The life of God never stands still. The life keeps moving. Keeps, keeps you growing. And that's what, this is Paul's prayer. The Lord make you to increase and abound. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute or, or welcome your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Love has to go beyond just what the normal human behavior is. The publicans, normal human behavior, they love the ones that are good to them. And I'm afraid too often we have the same standpoint. We love people that make us feel good. And the people that don't make us feel good, we say we love them, but we keep them as far away from us as we possibly can. And the Bible says that we, what reward do we have if we love just like the world loves? Our love, it needs to go beyond that, above and beyond that, that we would love even our enemies. You know, let's think about this for a second. Bless them that curse you. So, I hate to talk about myself, but I'm going to give a testimony again. There was a brother on the missions field. We'd been working with him for years. And he all of a sudden turned against us. And uh, I won't go into details of, of all that was behind that. But when he turned against us, he started calling us all kinds of names and devils and so forth, and just uh, trying to run us down as possibly as hard as he could over his pulpit, over Instagram, over Twitter, everything that he could do. He was speaking against myself and the different missionary brothers, that Iranian missionary brothers that we work with. And um, when he wrote to me uh, such harsh things, I, this scripture came on my mind. Bless them that curse you. And I began, because of course you get frustrated and you get upset and you get hot under the collar and 
you want to find a way to solve the problem. And I began to think the solution to the problem is not what I think it is. The solution to the problem is obey the scripture. So I prayed, for, I immediately prayed for him. And I, I told him, may God bless you. If there's anything we can do for you, if you need any materials, uh, any prayer, whatever you need, just let us know. We want to be there for you. And it brought an end to the argument. I mean, he was still against us, still spoke against us. But such peace came to me because I responded with Scripture. People speak bad against us. Sometimes it's people in the church that you thought were your friends. It doesn't have to turn into a friend and enemy thing. It doesn't have to turn into a gossip thing. It doesn't have to turn into a fight. Why doesn't it have to? Because if we respond the way Scripture says to respond, it becomes diffused. And if there's any spiritual maturity about the person, they will, be, they will feel convicted because you've responded with love. You, you pray for them. You know, they've despitefully used you. Somebody that's you've helped, you've spent money on, you've spent time on, and out of spite, they turn against you. I mean, sometimes I think on the missions field, you get a big dose of these things. You might help, you might dedicate your time, effort, everything, and people will turn against you. And not only, they, it would be fine if they just said, you know, I'm done with you. They don't just say, I'm done with you. <laughs> they, they turn and they want to devour you. And they want to destroy you. Okay. I mean, again, what is our duty as Christians? Love God. Love our neighbor. Love our enemies. So somebody turns against you, somebody hurts you. Don't do the natural thing. Don't do what the tax collectors do. <laughs> Don't do what the sinner does. Do what Jesus Christ did. Father, forgive them. And Brother Branham said we do it from our heart. Not because it's our duty, but we do it from our heart. In the sermon Influence in 1963, Brother Branham says, Reverence, we ought to honor one another, respect one another as brother, sister, and love one another with undying love, you say, well, I just can't. Well, just stay here in the presence of God a little longer, and then you'll like people too. You'll love those who doesn't love you. That's a really a good sign of Christianity when you can, from your heart, love those who does not love you. Love the unlovable. Love the one that is annoying. <laughs> love the one that bothers you. Love the one that stinks a little bit. The, one, the person that makes you uncomfortable. We're to love them. Not just push them away and run the opposite direction. But to from our heart, reach out and care for those people. Give our time, give our attention to pe people like that. And pray for them. Continue in the same quote. Jesus said, if you do, just do favors for those that do favors for you, well... The publicans do the same. But see, you must be kind to those who are unkind to you. Do good for those that would do evil to you. Always remember that. Keep that before you, that God is watching you. Remember, God was good to you 
when you were evil to him. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. In the sermon, Living, Dying, Buried, Rising, Coming, in 1959, Brother Branham says he showed what he did to the whole human race, the way God represented himself in Jesus Christ. He expressed his opinion to the human race to forgive and to love those who are unlovable. And I wonder on this Easter morning how short we fall of that. We could love those who love us, but he loved those who did not love him. He was the greatest, the first representation of love that ever hit the earth and was despised of those who lived on the earth to whom he loved. No man could ever love like him and no man was ever hated like him. They hated him and despised him and rejected him, but it did not stop his love. The last, when he was hanging on the cross after that life that he had lived and been done nothing but good things, forgiving the guilty, healing the sick, and just things that were good, when he was the last breath on the cross with the vulgar mocking spit of them who stood by hanging from his sacred face, he cried with a heart full of love, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He could understand being God. He understands. That's why he could love us when we're unlovable, because he's God. And he understands, living he loved me, never a life lived like it because it was wrapped in love. Oh, Lord, let my life be wrapped in love. You know, it's so common to us. We love our friends. We love our buddies. We're good to our buddies. We do good things for our buddies. But we need to move beyond that not just love the people that are agreeable to our sensibilities or that meet our acceptable message standards that we have. But love welcomes and those who are despised, those who are rejected, those who are hated. True love does good to people who speak evil of them, people that try to ruin you. Luke 6.35, but love, love, yet love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the thankful and to the evil. Why should we do good to those who do us wrong? Because God does good to those who speak against him and hate him. He provides for their needs. He extends mercy to them. How does he extend mercy to them? He, he could destroy them the instant that they sin, but he, gives, he extends mercy. He allows them to live. He gives them an opportunity to repent. He provides for their needs. He lets the rain fall on their crops, and he provides good things for them. And he wants us to do the same, to be like him, to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect. And Brother Branham said if he makes a command, he also makes a way for it to happen. And that's what the Holy Ghost is given to us for. Not just to do miracles, but to do even a, another miracle, which is to love when we're hated. We don't think of that as a miracle, but that's a miracle because it's completely contrary to human nature. John 13, 34 and anytime I read this, it just astounds me. You know, we, we read in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But look at this scripture. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved 
you that you also love one another. And the next verse, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And again, our world turns this into something sappy, emotion-based, feeling-based. It's not that. It's so far beyond that. You know, the, 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 the obedience from our heart start, is what starts it. And then what, what comes then is peace and joy and satisfaction. But it starts with obedience from the heart. We love one another. This manifests what? That we're his disciple. Some of these things, I, I, you know, it's so simple. I'm preaching a simple message, but I want it to go beyond, hey, that was good doctrine that he preached. I'm going to add this to my notes and refer back to it. No, it's we need to be doers of the word. I'm talk, I want this to meet you where you're at. You know, it, it, we need him in us, and we need it to increase more and more. He's the one that's love. In the token, 196, September 1st, 1963, oh, take this solemnly. We should love one another. Oh, my, we should be so in love. Don't never speak evil against one another. If somebody makes a mistake, pray for him right quick. We are together in this with God. We're brothers and sisters. Now, he didn't say spread the word about what they did real quick. Call your friend real quick and get uh, a sense of pleasure out of gossiping. Well, that's what the devil tries to give us. You, it's a spirit. Gossip is a spirit, and people get caught in it, and you get a, a sense of, of pleasure from doing that. But it's sin. It, it separates the chiefest friends. It, 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 it ruins trust. It ruins friendship. We don't do that. We go to prayer real quick. We stop the gossip Amen. by keeping our mouth shut and getting on our knees and praying. First Corinthians 13, verse 4. And I'm going to just kind of go back and forth between the King James Version and the uh, ESV. Um, Charity suffereth long. In other words, love is patient. Agape, this is agape love. It's patient. Patient means it endures all sorts of hardships, sufferings, persecutions, and difficulties when people are coming against you. When people do things that hurt you, it doesn't lash out. It's patient. And what is the next one? It's kind. It responds in, it with kindness. It treats the other person with, with care. It means that it's tender. Love is tender. Love is compassionate. We hear often, and it's true, love is corrective. But some people will go to seed on that all they think is love is corrective, 
and they forget to read the Bible a little bit. Love is corrective, and it's also written that love is patient, love is kind, it's tender, it's compassionate. You know, this goes beyond what's happening on the outside to what's on the inside. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is humble. It doesn't think of itself higher than it ought to think. It, 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 it's the attitude that God is in control of me. And God is in control of those around me. And I need to submit and surrender myself under the mighty hand of God. That's what humility is. So charity does not boast. It doesn't have a big head. It, it, it thinks lowly of itself. It thinks less of itself. It doesn't envy. It doesn't, it doesn't look and see... Well, that person's blessed and become frustrated. Well, what about me? No, it's blessed. It's happy. It's rejoicing that someone else is blessed. It's not puffed up. That means it's not arrogant. It doesn't want to be inflated with its self-importance. Love knows that it doesn't have anything but what it's received by grace and whatever we've received, we don't even deserve it anyway. So how can we get puffed up? Verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly. That basically is speaking of it's not rude. It means it speaks with respect. Brother Branham even said reverence towards one another. Uh, seeks not her own. So love does not seek its own or love doesn't insist on its own way. In other words, love is submissive. Submissive to who? God. To God's plan, God's program, God's purpose in a family, God's purpose in a church, God's purpose in the bride as a whole. Submits to that purpose doesn't say, hey, I need, I, need, I need to be the boss. I need to be in control. you got to listen to me. That's not love. Love wants God to be listened to. God surrendered to. It's not, uh, it's not easily provoked. In other words, it's not irritable. It's not easily angered. It's not looking for a fight in every circumstance. You know, you met people. As soon as you open your mouth, it doesn't matter if you said something nice to them, they're ready to fight with you about it. You know, and people spiritualize that, and they're, you know, you say, I'm praying for you, brother. Well, the Bible says don't even pray for the wicked. You know, I won't, I'm not going to pray for you. You know, people have such judgmental, Con condemnatory hearts. God doesn't want us to have that resentful, irritable approach. 
thinks no evil. What's that mean? Well, it's a pure heart, a pure mind. Love is pure. Love is peaceful. It's not going to go out of its way to judge a person's motives as negative. It's going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Verse 6. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love doesn't rejoice when something evil happens to a person because of their sin. Love feels sorrow when that happens. But rejoices with the truth. When people rejoice and walk in the truth, it causes us to rejoice. And we rejoice when we hear the truth preached. And what is that? That's the love of God that's in your heart doing that. Verse 7, love bears all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love bears all things. The word bears there in the Greek means to conceal or contain. It kind of reminds me of that scripture in 1 Peter 4 verse 8 that says, love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Paul also says to expose the works of the devil. Well, think about it in this sense. A person that's done something wrong, maybe a friend, they've come and spoken to you about one of their faults in their life. It says confess your faults one to another. And they speak to you about that and you you speak to them and you pray with them and, and uh, God moves on their hearts and what do you do? You go tell everybody about it? <laughs> their sin in their life? No. You, 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 you conceal it. You, you, you contain that. That's up to them to share that. Amen. Believes all things. Believes the best about a person. Believes that God can move in people's lives, that He can change them, believes the Word of God for healing for their body, believes the truth of this message, but doesn't believe the devil's lies, doesn't believe the nonsense that this world puts down its throat, hopes all things. When a person has done their worst, love believes and hopes for transformation in that person's life. Endures all things. We've talked about that. It endures the persecutions and trials and submits its life to God and lives in His will with joy and peace that He gives. Um, in the sermon, in, in the uh, Beyond the Curtain of Time, Brother Branham says uh, at the end of that, Portion, he says, if you have not received the baptism of the, in the Holy Spirit, receive it now. And then the part I want to emphasize is he says, press on to that perfect love which will take you to that beautiful and joyful place beyond the curtain of time. Pressing on to perfect love. Press on to it. It means that there's something for us to enter into further. doesn't mean we don't have love. 
right? It's not saying, well, it's off in the future. Same thing, it's not saying, well, we don't have miracles now, we're going to wait for miracles. No, we're growing in all these things. We're growing in faith, we're growing in love, and we're moving on into perfection. And part of that is what? Love. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I want to look at some of the attitudes here of the Apostle Paul. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Paul is saying, and I believe some of these things are critical for a church that's restored back to the original faith. For a true apostolic Bible church. We need to have these things, not just in the ministers, but in every believer. And Paul says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. In other words, he's going to give his whole strength, his whole ability, his possessions. He's willing to give his very life for their spiritual growth, their blessing, and their uplifting. But then he says something astounding in the next one, or in in that next phrase in the same verse. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You talk about unconditional love. He said, even if your love goes down, my love is going to go up for you. Now that's the love of Christ in a man. Regardless of how you act, regardless of what you do, I'm going to love you more and more. (laughs) Hallelujah. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. How do you love your neighbor? Serve. Give yourself. 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. How do we love our neighbor as ourself? It said it right there. Serve. We have liberty. But what, are we, what is our liberty that we're given to? We become what? Prisoners of Jesus Christ in our liberty. We give ourselves to Him and we don't do anything unless He guides us, directs us to do so. And what is our life? Our life should be exemplified as a life of service to others. So let's look back at the verse we read to start, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love, that word love there is agape, be without dissimulation. In other words, don't let it be hypocritical. Let your, let your love be without hypocrisy. In other words, you're just fake. That's what a hypocrite is, acting apart. You're you're pretending to love the person, but you don't really love them. It's just an act. It's not from your heart. 
There's another motive there. So true agape love is not hypocritical. Then he says, abhor that which is evil. So love be without hypocrisy and hate that which is evil. Cleave, hold on to, hug tightly that which is good. Be kindly affectioned. This word kindly affectioned is from, that, from a word called philostorgos. And it's putting together two kinds of love. Storgos is uh, family love. Philo is friendship or brotherly love. So it's combined in that one. It's fond of natural relatives is the literal meaning of the word. So it's, it's family love or the family of God. We need to have a family love between one another, kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Philadelphia, that's that word, Philadelphia. In honor, preferring one another, putting people ahead of yourself. This is beautiful. Let love be without hypocrisy. Be philostorgos, one to another, with Philadelphia. That's a lot of love <laughs> in that verse. Different kinds of love, but it's all supposed to be in us. A lot of times we take filial love and we say that's a lower type of love, and it is. And agape love and say this is the kind of love we want to have. That's true, but within agape love you have filial love. And we'll look at some scriptures there too. It's like agape love overshadows everything, right? And with, within that or under that, you have filial love. So the word agape, this is from Strong's Concordance, says it's wider, embracing especially the judgment and the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. In other words, you're, do, you're, you're, you're loving not from emotions, not based on what someone can give to you, what you can get out of it. You're loving because of who you love. You're loving, God. You're loving others because you love God. Filio, from Strong's Concordance, says to be a friend to, i.e. have affection for, denoting a personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or feeling, which comes from the word philos, which means dear, friend, or friendly. And so the Bible has a lot to say about friendships. And you know that our relationships with each other, it's a family, the family of God, and it's supposed to be with overarching agape love, but under that is a friendship to one another. What better friends can we have than the body of Christ? Young people, take, take a listen. Friendship is influence. Friendship is advice. Okay, you say, what are you, ta what are you talking about? When you have a friend, whether you like it or not, they are influencing you and you're talking about each other's lives and what you want to do, and then what is happening, they're giving you advice. 
You might not look at it that way. You might, might not be asking them specifically for advice, but it's happening whether you think, think so or not. And that's why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We, we, we have to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. I'm just going to bring a, a testimony. When I was a new Christian, 20 years old, I, at, when I got saved, all my friends liked to drink alcohol, party, smoke marijuana, curse, etc. Right? When I got saved, God changed me, I still had the same friends. So guess what I had around me? I had influence and advice. And guess what happened? I became convicted a lot. Why? Because those friends were dragging me to stuff that I, deep in my heart, did not want to do. And then I go home and repent and wonder, what in the world am I doing? And I, I guess it was obvious, but as a 20-year-old, not, it's not always obvious because you love your friends. You want to keep your friends. And so I went to a church service with my brother-in-law, and we were talking about this issue, and, and he said, well, let's just pray. Uh, we prayed in the service there, and then the preacher got up, and he, he um, was speaking. You know, God can even use a charismatic preacher to talk to you sometimes. <laughs> this was one of those big mega churches at the time before I knew anything about the message. And because God loves his elected seed, <laughs> amen. And so God can talk to you in lots of different ways. But this, this preacher started looking at the unequally yoked scripture. And uh, he was talking about um, your friendships. And he said, exactly what we had just been talking about and what I was concerned about. And he, he begins to, to say, well, you know, you, you've, you've had these friends on the same level for many years. And they're taking you along on the same things that you used to do which you don't want to do anymore. So sit down with them and have a conversation. Because right now you're, you're both on the same level, and that means you're unequally yoked together. Even though you're, you're, you're saved, you've given your heart to the Lord, you're still under this yoke of influence from them. So what you need to do is you need to talk with them and say, I am a Christian. I'm born again. My life has changed. I do not want to name it off. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to smoke marijuana anymore. I don't want to go to parties anymore. I want to be your friend. I want to have you in my life still because I care about you. But I want you to help me be godly. And what I want you to do is when the parties and the different things that are happening that are not right, don't let me go to that. I don't want to do those things anymore. So will you, will you please help me with that and we can continue to be friends? I did that with all my friends. All of them said, oh, of course, I will do that. And 99% of them, I never spent time with them again. Just one friend I continued with. And did it break my heart? It did break my heart. Did it make me closer to Jesus Christ? It, yes, it did. 
would I do it all over again? I wish I would have done it sooner. And I still reached out to those friends and I witnessed to them and I tried to bring them to church. But what, what did I do? I broke the yoke of bondage that was there over the top of me and my friend. By that conversation, I broke the yoke. Now I could influence them. Young people, be careful. Old people, middle-aged people, everybody. Be careful because you don't want to enter into that yoke together with someone. It's a yoke of influence, advice, and direction for your life. Break the yoke by having a good conversation with them and break down that barrier so that you can further your walk with Jesus Christ. I know you all don't have any troubles with that. You don't have any ungodly friends. Everybody's just perfect. It was just me that had that problem. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> First Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10. But as touching brotherly love, Philadelphia, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to agape one another. See, that's what I was talking about before. I don't need to write to you to teach you brotherly love because God teaches you how to agape each other. So agape covers Philadelphia. Now you can have Philadelphia without agape, friendship, without godly divine love. But true godly divine love produces what? Filio, Philadelphia, friendship, care for one another. And then verse 10, he says, And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. We beseech you. Do you know what beseech means? It means we're begging you. We beg you, increase more and more. Pray that. Pray that. Pray this scripture for yourself. I know, God, you're teaching me to love. You're teaching me brotherly love because I'm taught to agape, my brother and sister. But help me to increase more and more. Help me to press on to perfect love. So filio, again, it speaks of friendship. It's not a love that's spoken of disparagingly in the Bible. It's a Christian virtue. It's to be lived up to. God teaches us to do it. And a true Holy Ghost believer is increasing more and more. Our love is like, like it's not waxing cold. The world, in this hour, the love of, of many is getting colder and colder and colder. But the love of the bride that's in her heart is moving on to perfection. Isn't that incredible? We see it. <laughs> Do we see it? Do you see it? Do you have a testimony that that's the truth? Well, we see it in the world. And I believe that it's happening in us. Amen? We're not to take these things about love and shovel them to our neighbor. <laughs> right. 
were to take this to ourselves. The Christian attitude is not a selfish one. It's not let every man seek his own good, right? It's let every man not seek his own good, but the good of others. In, in nature, what does it do? What does nature tend to? If you just stop taking care of this church, if you just abandoned it, nature would take over. And in a number of years, trees would be around, and this thing would go back to dust. Only maybe a shell of things would be left, just like we see in great civilizations through history. Nature tends towards decay and death. Friendships do the same thing. Unless we put effort into it, unless we do something about it, Past hurts, frustrations, lead to isolation, not fellowship. And all of us have been in situations where we've been hurt by people in church, by people that we love, by people that we still love. That's a fact. That's what human relationships are all about, even in a born-again believer. We do things, we say things we shouldn't do. But the scripture gives us so many remedies to these things. How to handle all these things properly. But we have to put effort. We don't just say, so-and-so hurt me, I'm staying home forever. I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't want to see anybody, and I'm going to get a bunch of bricks, and I'm going to build a big wall around my heart that no one can get close to. That's not what God calls us to do. When we do that, who are we focused on? Christ? No. Others? Mm -mm. Me. I'm focused on me when I'm building walls. And you might have a good reason. You might have been hurt deeply. You might be tore up. There's healing balm for you. But you have to ask. You have to ask, and sometimes it hurts really bad. You've got to talk to your pastor. Or you have to pray for God to send you a friend to start taking down those bricks. Beating down those bricks. Again, this is, let's just take it down to our level, on a basic level. We have friends. We invite people over to our home fellowship. Those friends don't invite us back. What do you say? I'm making all the effort in this friendship, in this relationship. Forget them. <laughs> they don't invite me over. They don't reach out to me. They don't call. They don't text. I'm done with them. All right, are we acting like tax collectors now? Our love needs to continue. Paul said, if you love me less, I'll love you more. <laughs> that wasn't just for Paul. That wasn't just for Brother Branham. That's not just for preachers. All of us. Amen. The Christian attitude says, if they don't invite me, I'll invite them again. If they still don't invite me, I'll invite them again. <laughs> if they don't reach out to me, I'll still reach out. 
I won't give up. I won't quit. Did, does Christ quit on you when you don't reach out, when you don't pray as much as you should? He doesn't give up. He never lets go of you. If Christ be in you, you'll do the same works that Christ does. Uh, John 15, verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I made known unto you. This is a beautiful definition of friendship. It is... Friends opening up their hearts to one another. Opening up your secrets to one another. Connection. Two hearts connecting together as one in Christ. But this kind of friendship, uh, for some of you, it might be kind of scary because you've been hurt. You've opened yourself up. You've trusted people. And you've been hurt. Again, God has a healing balm for every hurt, for every pain, and he doesn't want you to remain in that condition. He sent his word to heal you, to deliver you. Don't remain in that place. You, you might be in a place where you're just almost blinded because you're hurt so bad. But don't stay there. Pray. Pray for healing. Pray for a real friend to break it down. Talk to your pastor. You have a loving ministry team here. You don't have a, a ministry team that's beating you. These people are, are loving. Talk to them. And, and then start breaking down the walls. You start reaching out to others. You start loving other people. You start being a friend Sometimes people think of ministers, well, he's a great counselor and he has so much wisdom and he can meet. Do you know what a lot of it is? Just being a friend to someone. Just caring about him. Just listening. The Bible says, let every man be quick to hear, slow to anger, and slow to speak. So a good friend listens more than they speak. Listens for what? His turn, waiting for his turn to talk? No, listens to understand what's being said. Many times in, in counseling with people, they, they come, they meet with me, and they talk the whole time. And I say just a few words, and at the end they say, I feel so much better, you helped me so much. And I go, uh, the Lord helped you. I don't know what I did, but sometimes people just need to be heard. They need someone to listen, to care. Guys, brothers, we don't have to fix everything. We can just listen, even to each other. But that kind of friendship, it does expose you to being hurt. Um, it takes... True, genuine trustworthiness in us. We need to be trustworthy. We need to be loyal. Some of these basic scriptural things, we, we spend so much time on high and big things 
What about the basic things like fighting the spirit of gossip? Like being loyal, honorable to one another, to being people of our word that people can trust. And just because we've been hurt in the past doesn't mean we have the right to close ourselves off. Why? Because your testimony can help other people. And so if you close yourself off, you don't have a chance to be that healing balm that Christ wants you to be to your brother and sister. And so will this kind of ministry, he calls us all to a ministry. Sometimes that ministry is simply a ministry of friendship, of caring, of visiting people, of texting people, of following up with people that have struggles, that have trials. It, but it exposes us to be hurt. It exposes us for people to treat us wrong. Should that stop us? Did it stop Christ? It never stopped Him. It shouldn't stop us. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him and others. Musicians, if you would come. God is our friend, right? <laughs> He's our closest friend. He loves us. We can completely trust Him. The Bible says, be imitators of God as dear children. We need to express our love in the form of friendship. Uh, again, I'm, this is so simple. This is so basic. I, I, I know I realize that. But for me, I've preached this many times, and I just feel like it's so important in this hour. The spirit of this world is against us living and walking in love. And we can't make the message so ethereal and full of just only doctrine and theology that we forget that those truths, the reality of this message, comes down right where, you at, right where you're at and transforms how you love and how you live. Proverbs 17, 17, I want to just finish reading that, that verse. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, through the good times, through the bad times, through the frustrating people, through the people that uh, kind of annoy you, that bother you. Love those who are unlovable. Reach out to those that need a friend. Keep your eyes open. Look around. Look for those people that are down, that are hurting, and reach out. Be the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your goodness and your grace, Lord. I pray that you'd take these simple words, Lord, and make them alive in our hearts. You love us. You've poured your love into us by the Holy Ghost, Lord. May it pour out upon others. Lord, use us and move through us to be your healing balm to your people, Lord. 
You want to manifest and display yourself through us. And many times it's just in a simple way, in a basic way, but it's something supernatural. It's something powerful that affects people's lives and heals their hearts and, and, and brings them closer to you. Lord, we love you, and we want to give our hearts and ourselves and our whole beings to you, that you would use us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship the Lord. Can we sing that song, There is None Like You? There is none like you. No one else can touch our hearts like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you.
every time we hear the word of God, it ought to just prick our heart and just say, Lord, you're telling me something. There's no doubt a little something in my life I could just pick up there. I could just take another step higher there. And I just hearing some godly instruction tonight about loving one another and our relationships with one another and our relationship with God and how important it is to care and to show care, to be understanding, to be a friend. Amen. It's some, um, you know, a lot of times we look at the, the children in their teenage years and whatever and the little quarrels and little fights that they have before between them and the choosing of, of friends and you know you're in my circle and I, I'm not letting you in you know tick, tick tock the door the tick tock the, the door is locked and no one else can play and if they do well, I'll take off my shoe and just beat you till you're black and blue and you know that becomes the thing with with children but sometimes adults can be real childish as well and we need to reach out to others we need to reach out to others there there's a brother that you see struggling along the way a sister that you see having difficulty reach out to them and realize how important it is that we choose godly friends and that we then with our friendships become the influence we become the influence that we we influence those around us to godliness and to righteousness because that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world amen but maybe tonight you've thought about something and it just pricked your heart about a certain person about a certain relationship maybe it's even in your own family that you need to work on as as he made such a wonderful point, buildings that are neglected, grounds that are neglected, just get trees grow up all around them, and vines and thistles, and finally get pulled back to the earth. Then it all goes down in decay. And relationships are the same way, and friendships are the same way. And, and they have to be worked at. A lot of people want friends, but they don't want to do what it takes to have friends. The Bible said, if you want to have friends, you show yourself friendly. You reach out, get my helping hand. Be kind to those that maybe hadn't been kind to you. Love, like the Bible said. So we want to be like him. But maybe as, as we have heard it tonight, and it's dealt with the heart, as we sing this song, maybe you can just kind of pray in your heart about a certain situation. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and Upon 
just examine our lives tonight we just think of the great love that you have for us the mercy that you shown to us that you reached out to us when we were unlovable as the Bible said we love him because he first loved us and that was when we were unlovable he loved us anyway Lord may we always do our part to return that appreciation for that love that you've given us that we in turn can do what Jesus said love one another forgive us Lord we're human sometimes loving isn't easy sometimes it's the hardest thing to do sometimes it seems that hate or dislike comes a lot easier but love is what you wanted us to do it was you that would be there when you would say some of your last words on the cross and you would say father forgive them they don't know what to do father may it be that you do the same for us tonight tender our hearts towards you tender our hearts Lord toward righteousness help us to love Forgive us, Lord, where we have failed you. And let your Holy Spirit just always deal with our hearts and be tender, loving toward one another. Lord, as you maybe spoke tonight, and that was just some little somebody that was, maybe we just realized we had neglected. Lord, will you help us now to to dust off that love that we have lost and have that love again for that individual to care for them like you care because Jesus cared for us in Jesus name I pray that you'll bless us now as we come to the close of this service we're dismissed in your presence may the Holy Spirit just speak continually as the wheels turn going on the way home and we talk about the scriptures we have heard it's not been in vain that we have gathered because we heard your word father in jesus name amen amen god bless you before we go we're going to sing an old song um great song of the church and this is why we can love one another because love is of god it's a basic nature of god this is why that only perfect love will enter there. Perfect love is the Holy Ghost. That's what it is. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it's the love of God coming down in your heart. The nature of God coming living in you. Amen. And then you learning how and increasing on how to express it to a dying world. Amen. God bless you.